0: We just need her to sing something else, right? Let's we, she could just keep going. So powerful. So powerful. Thank you, Lyric, for sharing that with us. Ministering to our hearts tonight. So rich. So rich. Father, we thank you for the gift that you've deposited in that young lady's life. And I pray that it would inspire us to remember that you've deposited a gift in all of our lives. Might not sound like that. Mine certainly doesn't. But it doesn't mean that it's any less significant. Every person, every gift, every calling, whether it's seen or unseen whether it's celebrated or whether sometimes it feels like it's forgotten, you created us with a purpose, you created us with a calling, and we pray that when we see excellence like that being poured out for your name's sake, that it would inspire us to look inside and and ask you the question, what did you put in me? What did you put in me? And then we would give the same kind of passion that we would labor just as hard for your name's sake. For your name's sake, for the child that was born in a manger and died on a cross and is one day coming again to rule and reign for all eternity. Jesus, we want to serve you with all that we are. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yes, come on. It's good. Well, we're excited tonight for a guest that's, that's with us. But before he comes, I just, I want to share a little bit, you know, one, one of the things that surprises me when people are looking for a church home are the questions they don't ask. And one of the questions that people so often forget to ask is what's beyond this church? Not, not just for our church, but for other churches as people are going out, they, they, they don't ask the question, what's beyond this? They don't ask the question, who's pastoring the pastor? They don't ask the question, who's making sure that there's doctrinal integrity in the teaching? Who's going to come in if if there's a crisis? Because there are a lot of churches that are out there that are just on their own, doing their own thing. And it might look okay now, but I'm telling you that's a dangerous way to live and minister. You cannot read in the New Testament and find a church that operated that way. Every one of those churches had someone who was pastoring them. Every one of those churches had people who were instructing them. Every one of those churches had people who were there for them in their time of need. We're we're privileged to be able to say that Elam Fellowship is that for us. Pastoring us, instructing us, here for us. And Pastor Joe Jansen, who's the director of U.S. operations for Elam Fellowship, is going to be bringing the word tonight. He and his wife, Joanne, are here. And could you just say thank you to them for coming? So I'm going to invite Pastor Joe to come. And, uh, and Joe, we just, we love you. We thank you for your ministry. And, uh, and I thank you for your friendship. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate
1: it. want say hello? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, <laughs> everybody. Hallelujah saw the lights. I got so
1: inspired. I, I thought I thought I was on The Voice there. I was. Yeah, I, I would have too. definitely you turned around. On, my chair would have, no, Yeah, voice. my chair would have turned around. You weren't on The sure. Voice. No, my voice has a voice deliverance ministry. Has a, my voice has a deliverance ministry. Yeah,
2: it scares the devil away.
1: There it is. It really does? You
2: have never heard that before, have you? Um, it's, it's such a pleasure to be here. We. Um, Let's see, I want to tell you that we're grandparents and that's the best part of our world. <laughs> we have three beautiful grandchildren. Who are grandparents here? Is it unbelievable? It's, it is. It's everything they said it was going to be and more. And I just say to God, why? You know what I'm going to ask? Why couldn't we have them first? Because <laughs> we would have never had kids had we known that we could have had them first. It's amazing. We have a three-year-old. Uh, little boy Wesley, a nine-month-old little girl Chloe, and then our newest one is Roman, and he is four months old, and he lives with us, because when we finished, um, when 2015, or 2016, a couple years behind, but when 2016 was finishing, I was listening to this pastor down in, um, I listen to him all the time, West Palm Beach, and he inspires me. He's just, he's just got faith coming out of, you know, he's just, he's a great guy. I don't know him, but I think I do. You know how social media is. <laughs> and so, uh, anyways, he, he, at the end of 2016, he said, he, he, one of his podcasts was, why can't 2017 be your banner year? Why can't it be? Why can't you say, this is going to be my year? And I was like, yeah, you know, it was really, yeah, why can't it be? 2017, it's my year, it's banner year. It's going great. We start January, it's good. Uh, we get to, to like, uh, February or March, and my daughter comes home and says, she, she's um, getting her master's degree at, at a local college, and she's just about done, and she comes home to let us know that she's pregnant, and she's not married, in case you didn't grasp that whole little, ah! so So, at that moment, I thought, wow, this year started off really good, and this is going to get really complicated. And I went for like a week like that. Like, you know, God, what are we going to do? You know, like somehow bringing a baby into the world wasn't God's idea. I was losing all track of that. And so about a week after that, I thought, I think it still could be my banner year. It could still be my year. (laughs) Because I love my grandchildren. And I'm thinking we're adding another one of them. It's the best thing ever. I wake up to this little boy every morning. I come out of my bedroom, and he, I hear him. He talks nonstop like a girl. It's terrible. Uh, that voice, though, makes my heart sing. And I, I'm thinking, God, you blessed our year with this curly-haired little boy who lives with us. It's like the best blessing that ever could have happened to me. And I said, Lord, I'm sorry that I even for one minute thought this somehow was going to make my year bad. What was I thinking? And I want to tell you something. Listen, it, the year's almost over. Some things might not have gone your way because we live in a world where things don't go our way sometimes. Bad things happen to good people. But I want to tell you something this is your year. This is your year. God breathed life into you. He has given you blessings that you, don't, you haven't even uncovered yet. You've got three more weeks. Uncover them. It's your year. And I, I just want to encourage you. It is your year. So have a great night tonight. And enjoy Joe. And I'm sorry that he had to follow after that. So I was the buffer. I was the buffer. The buffer.
1: That's the first time I've heard that title for you, a buffer, but um, we'll just leave that. I don't know, what a buffer, I, I don't know. Tomorrow we'll be married 34 years? 34? Yeah. Huh? She says I never bring her anywhere, come on, huh? Could there be a better place than right here, right now? And tomorrow we're going to Tiano. Is that how you say it? Tia- Tiana? We're going to a small place in Virginia. <laughs> And We're doing like an ordination service. I bring you to the best places. We're very sorry that we brought the New York snow down here. I didn't mean to do that, but it's here. So what are we going to do? Hey, you've got... Before I start uh, getting into what I thought I want to talk about, I just want you... This is a fantastic church. It's a fantastic group of the people of God. It's just... um, pastor told you that uh, that's kind of our our work is we travel around and uh, we coach and consult with pastors and churches. And I can't say that everywhere. Uh, You know, sometimes you just have to believe the best uh, for churches and go go in faith. But um, you have awesome pastors that have vision and they want to see with the eyes of God. And they want to see uh, the reality of who God is. Working it, working himself out in the lives of people in, in the church and in the region, uh, it, 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 that, that God's not just a concept to them, and He wants that God would not be a concept to anybody that walks in this room here. And, uh, man, it was—it's was, this is an awesome place to worship. You feel the presence of God uh, and speaking to people like that. I think it's really cool when you're, you're together and you're worshiping and God kind of gives somebody a thought like that, and then they come up and share it with everybody. Uh, that's really cool That because uh, there's probably people in the room that really resonate that, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. Just uh, Just think I'll give her a thought. He's, he knows that there's people here who need to hear that, they that have, that have, grown, have grown up uh, perhaps with no father or uh, would rather have not had the father that they had, and uh, they need to hear that, that God is a perfect father, and he's, uh, you don't have to look at God like uh, your earthly father. So I just think that's really cool when stuff like that happens. I do want to share with you a little bit uh, with the time we have left, just uh, kind of have a conversation with you, about uh shame about uh, the, uh, the, the sense that uh there's something broken, something wrong with me, with me you know sometimes we walk around with that stuff that uh, we're, we're just not right i just wanted to say just a quick story about uh my growing up years my my parents they sent me to uh well they sent all of us five kids to a a religious school now i'm not meaning to in my little story I'm not meaning to put this put the religion down. I'm not gonna, You'll be able to figure out probably what religion it is. But uh, eight years, I went to this school of re- religious people. My, and, because my parents wanted the best for us, they wanted uh, you know they wanted us to get a good education, moral values. But at the school, they really expected uh, and that we would be absolutely perfect. I mean, they were abs- they were very very strict. I mean, you had to do it just a certain way. And you know, if it was just a little bit off, you were in trouble. Like one time in, in the second grade, I, I just completely forgot to do uh, half of an assignment. I, like I didn't I didn't mean to. I just forgot. And uh, they the the teacher brought me up front, and uh, I had 16 blank spaces. And so she took out an 18 inch ruler and made me bend over in front of the class, and she you know whacked me 16 times with that with that ruler as a as a little kid. And it was just uh, you know it was uh, pretty humiliating. And uh, the other thing was, like, writing, you know, we used to write with uh, fountain pens. I know, now you're really thinking, I'm really old, because most young people don't even know what a pen is, you know, Uh, but fountain pens, and they would leak, you know, they'd get, you'd have to fill them up, and, and, but our script had to be absolutely perfect, and I wasn't a perfect kid. I had ADHD before it was like you know popular or fashionable. You know, so I I was like I, I my pages came out like and then I would erase and put holes in the papers and stuff like that. And so I was constantly in trouble. And in sixth grade, I had uh, I had this one, I had this one teacher. Uh, I mean, she was super super strict. And uh, it went. I I used, to, I used to I used to like blur things out. I I make jokes and. sixth grade she had me kneeling in front of the class for an hour a day all, all, all week long and then she would pour uh, holy water on me. And, you know, because she would, like, cast out demons. She would pour, literally pour a jug of holy water on me while I'm up there uh, casting out the demons. Now, my mom, after I became a Christ follower, my mom would say, well, it actually worked. You know, that, you know, just it was a delayed reaction that uh, that had happened. And it, it, one time, I mean, this, this one teacher, she was like, I think she was a little mentally ill. But because uh, one time I popped a bag in, in the, in the uh, cafeteria, this sixth grade, popped a bag and she came over and she starts wailing on me. I mean, she's smacking me and she breaks a nail and she goes ballistic because she said, you broke my nail and now she's holding my tie uh, because we used to have to wear ties and she's smacking me, smacking me just, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy. Sometimes we would come in with, uh, we had this one teacher, Mighty Midget, her name was because she was little. I know that's not, politically correct anymore to say that, but that's what we called her. She was, she was shorter than me, uh, you know, she was about four foot two, and she used to, she used to pull our ties down so we would have to get low so she could hit us, and, uh, but sometimes we'd wear those, those ties that would come off, oh man, it was worth the punishment that you got to see the, see the expression on her face, you know, this type of thing, but it, it was, uh, it, because what what they taught me is that if you, if you aren't perfect, God's not going to accept you. In fact, you know, they picked out kids in, in fourth grade or third grade. They picked out kids to like help out at the altar, you know, the altar boys. And I thought, oh, this would be just the greatest because they used to, you know, ring bells and stuff. I thought that would be just a, just a blast, you know. And because it was so boring. I mean, the service was so boring, I, you know, because it was, it was just like, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those types of services, but wow, you know, kneel down, get up, do this. Same thing every single week and I was bored to death. And the, the priest was the only one drinking the wine. You know what I'm saying? I, I'd be like, even a young I'd be like, I could use some of that to get through the service here. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and then you go to communion, and they had that white thing that stuck to the roof of your mouth. That's when you really needed to wash Jesus down. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got Jesus stuck to the roof of my mouth. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, <laughs> but they, told, they said that I couldn't be an altar boy because I was too unruly and I wasn't smart enough. You have to have a certain grade and a certain conduct Level, and so again, I was like, "Wow, I'm, I'm being rejected. I, I felt rejected by God, and and very distant." And, they, and again, they taught, they were taught, teach they, they they taught me that if you don't do it a certain way, dress a certain way, uh, and act a certain way, that God's not going to accept you. And I I grew up I grew up, and again, I, I was not the type of person that could stay in the lines. And I was in this, I was in this school and in this institution and in this religious system that. Uh, you had to stay in the lines in order to feel like God was accepting you, and uh, so I, I wound up growing up with tremendous shame, just feeling very broken. And the very people that should be drawing me close to God were pushing me, really pushing me away from God. And uh, I grew, I grew up kind of really lost. And I think there's a lot of people like that that have the wrong idea of God. And and there's you know they, like, but there's a story in the Bible that about Jesus that I want to share with you. And just, just to see, what does is, what is Jesus do? Now, you've got to understand that Jesus is the exact representation of who our Father God is. If you want to see who the Father is, who God is, then you just look at Jesus. Because it actually says it in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is the exact representation. So if you, if you look at his actions, you'll know what the actions of God are. And, and and it's by it's by action that you really know what's inside of a person and what's inside of this of God is by their actions and so Jesus uh, has this encounter with a woman who's being absolutely shamed she's being used and abused by religious leaders and religious religious men of the time and i want i want i want you to see in fact this story is so wild it's so wild about how loving God is. Because this story would say, it says to me that no matter how low you are, God will go lower in order to lift you up. And you see, it's, the story is scandalous. In fact, it's, it's so scandalous that some of the people who put the Bible together didn't want to put this story in there because they thought, uh, this is too much. God couldn't love her that way. God, God couldn't accept this. This woman is so bad that God couldn't. He he can't love her like that. He can't bring her in. She's just done. There's too much evidence of her being so wrong. How can she be included in the family of God? And so there was like there's like an argument whether the story should be even in there, but it is. And I love that it is because it says to me that no matter what. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, there's room for you in the family. Because Jesus is always about making the circle bigger, and he's always about trying to figure out how his thoughts, the Bible are are the thoughts of God, how do we use the thoughts of God to bring people into the family? You're going to find out when I read this story that religious people, they try to use the thoughts of God to keep people out. And that's what, I, I, don't, I don't think the people, again, the people that I grew up with, I don't think they were meaning to do that. But they got caught up in a traditional system that made them do that. So let me read this story to you. Uh, it's John chapter 8. If you, if you want to follow along, you can. If you want to just trust me that I'm reading the right words, you can just listen if you'd like. Okay, here we go. All right. Uh, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. And at dawn, he, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him. And Jesus sat down to teach them. So he's going to have a Bible study. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, these are the big religious guys, they brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened back up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down, began to write on the ground. At this, those who heard, they began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I mean, just, it's an incredible story of what Jesus does with people who feel broken. And it's you know, it's very it's a very appropriate story to our times, to what's in the news and what's happening around us and, and how women are to be treated. Do you do you realize isn't this mind blowing that two thousand years ago, Jesus showed us what we should be doing to honor and respect women who are being shamed and, and used and abused and ostracized and stigmatized, and it, it 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 saddens me sometimes that the church isn't on the forefront of leading the way of standing in the gap for women in our culture because we have the true answer to uh, to how to honor and respect and treat women in our day. It's right there. It's right there in the Bible. See, th- there's nothing new under the Son, and it's just amazing. But think about uh, think about what God does for people who like to draw outside the lines. Think about this woman. I mean, uh, she's you know she's ripped from uh, from her, uh, her her lover's bed and. Uh, She's. I mean, this must have been quite a Bible study. I mean, you know, I mean, we're. I, I bet next week at this Bible study, it was standing room only. I mean, because it must have got around. Did you hear what happened at Jesus's Bible study? You know, at uh, over over at the temple. I mean, uh, there was some stuff happening. You know, uh, because you know, they they, they just they, these religious guys just hurl this woman in front of this crowd and this people, and you know, she's like abducted, and I. I I don't know if she was, I don't know exactly the situation. If she was like on her walk of shame or did she still have her Victoria's Secret outfit on? I, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that maybe it was the Victoria's Secret outfit because it says that Jesus stooped down. And he, probably because he was like, you know, trying to hide his eyes. Like, oh, okay. And he's praying to his father. Okay, dad, I'm having a real serious problem here. Uh, and he's uh, trying to figure, you know, I like to write things down to get my thoughts together. So... Uh, Okay, what do we do now? Uh, okay, you know, uh, got to be something we can do here. You know, I, you know, he's like trying to figure out what, what are we going to do. And uh, the big wigs are shouting all sorts of accusations. And uh, they want to know, you know. But what does he do is when he, 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 he changes his position. And I want you to know something about God. Because what we're looking at is the extraordinary love of God on that he he gets uncomfortable he stoops down. He stands up. It, you see, he he changes position. Jesus came from heaven to earth. I mean, he he changed his uh, he he changed his composition too. He was God up there in spirit, and yet he became one of us. I mean, how far will God go to reach the lost person? To reach the broken, the ostracized, the uh, the the you know, those who are who are thrown to the side and uh, just let just left for nothing. How far will he go for the? sinners, good sinners. I mean, people who know how to sin, you know. They're, they're, he goes, he goes to great lengths. He came, he, he was born, he he comes to earth as God. I mean, that's incredible, but he doesn't come as a king. You know, I, I'd, I'd make a deal with, uh, I don't know if they, what kind of a committee meeting they had up there when they said somebody's got to go down there and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and be one of them. You know, it be like, ah, let the Holy Spirit do it, you know. Okay, you know. <laughs> can we let one of the angels do it? Let's just do it. And, you know, the father would be like, no, we can't do that. And Jesus would be like, we can do anything, dad, okay? We can do anything here. You know, sky's the limit. Don't tell me that can't be done. I'm just sure we can work this out. We got three. Let's make a fourth. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know, you know it's like, let's have another God here. Let's uh, send him down. Uh, but, you know, but Jesus, Jesus gives up all of heaven. Everything and not, again. I, I'd be like, "Well, I want to be a you know, send me down as a king. Or let me be one of the Caesars." Uh, no, 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 no. Well, that's not going to work. You're going to go down and be part of a peasant family. As a matter of fact, you're going to be. You're going to be basically the. Uh, the child of a single parent is what you're going to be. And your, your, your dad's going to have to buy buy this one, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, you, could you imagine that conversation right there? You know, talking about awkward. Uh, okay, Joseph, I got, I got something to tell you here. Okay, uh, here's how it works, you know. <laughs> I don't know how that went. Uh, but Jesus, uh, Jesus he was born in a feeding trough that's what a manger is it wasn't anything like our you know we have all these nice little things under the tree no this was he was in a barnyard in a feeding trough there was no room for him anywhere they couldn't even get microtel or hotel six i mean it was not you know it was just like we're just uh, we're just finding a shack here and we're and and she's having to, this is where he's born that's how low he goes but he went lower than that I mean, he, he went, you know, you keep reading the story, and uh, at, the, at the end of his life, he's uh, getting beaten. He's getting abused. He's getting whipped. He's getting nailed to a cross, and he dies. I mean, how low? How low will he go? As low as it takes to lift you up. Doesn't matter where you've been, he'll get lower than you've been. That's he's—that's what he's showing, he's showing this lady. Listen, you know, Sometimes you read the Bible like Because people get freaked out sometimes About some of the things I share But it's in the Bible Sometimes we read it See we read it with these rose colored religious glasses on But you got this woman who's caught in the act of adultery You can't even think about it too much without sinning You know what I'm saying? It's like wait wait a second now I'm sorry about that But I'm just reading I'm just reading your stuff here I'm having my daily devotions And uh, trying to meditate on that just a little bit Let's skip over to the Psalms, maybe I don't know. But God's willing to—he's he, willing to get his hands dirty for us. You got Jesus uh, writing in the, in the dirt right there, but He formed us out of mud. And uh, one time, in, in one time, He, he had to uh, heal somebody, and Jesus—he he made, he made some spit in mud. Another time, he was willing to wash his disciples' feet and take the dirt basically right onto himself. We have a God who's willing to mix it up with us a little bit. You see, we want to be all pious and just we've got it all good, you know. We got to, we're, we're all good. We're, we're, we're good with God. But he really wants to get to know who we are totally because he's not afraid to... To, to get his hands dirty. That's the, kind of, that's the, the changing in position. What, what he's doing is he's positioning himself for our favor. No matter where we are, what he's trying to do is get in some position so that he can grant us some favor, some, so give us some, some help, and uh, give us some of that stuff that's called grace, that, that's undeserved favor. But he's trying to work away so that I can get to be able to give you the favor in life that's what that's what's happening here for those who are who are shamed who are broken you know, and the religious leaders they're getting uh they're getting really impatient they're just like what are you, what, what are you saying because he's down there writing on the ground, and people wondering what's he writing and they don't we don't really know what he's writing, but i, I don't know again, I have a crazy mind but i'm just wondering if maybe he's writing the the Pharisees and teachers of the law. I think he might have been writing their girlfriends' names on the on the dirt there. You know, like they were like, okay, you, know, <laughs> okay. you got me on that one. Um, and they're all scattering. You know, they just, they just, some people say maybe that he was writing their sins. We we don't we don't really know. But they're getting impatient because they're using the the thoughts of God, the Word of God, to draw lines to keep people out. And we got to be so careful in our day. See, we have this living, vibrant, dynamic relationship with a God, with the God of the universe that has done so much. I, I, can't, I, I don't want to tell you my whole story, but I just think about what he's done for us, for, for you, for me, what he's done. And to somehow turn that into a system where I'm going to try to keep somebody else out, I'm going to try to harm somebody else with the same words that brought me such life? That that seems, it seems crazy. And yet the church, sometimes we do that. We look at people and groups of people and we're like, we, you sometimes I like hear things like, you know, well, they're bad. Well, yeah, yeah, that they are. I was too. Uh, sometimes I still am and you, you're seeing that so right here. Uh, you know, but, but we can't we need to reach those people. We need, to, we need to be Jesus with the skin on and adv- be advocates for them and position ourselves to show them favor so that we can reach them with this amazing love that God has for us. So the, uh, these guys are getting really uh, impatient. And Jesus, uh, he stands up and he says, uh, okay. All right, well, you can, uh, you can stone her. And they saw, I, whoosh, whoosh, you know, they're, just, they're starting to wind up, okay, you know. Whoosh. And uh, he says, oh, but uh, whoever's without sin, you throw the first one. Now, I always put a caveat here. Sometimes Joanne tells me not to do this, but if you're Catholic, the story goes like, and all of a sudden he does, thwack, and Jesus goes, Mother! Because the Catholics think that Mary was without sin, you know. So, you know, she, you know, threw one stone. But anyway, that's just, just that's just a little funny that I have with myself in there. But, uh and so, you know, all of a sudden, when Jesus says, okay, I mean, Jesus is brilliant. You know, he says, well, who without sin? Throw the first one. And, uh, you know, what you really hear is boof, 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 boof the rocks have fallen and the i i don't i'm not sure again why the older ones leave first but it's that's in there there's got to be something significant about that i don't know what it is and they're, they're you know they're all they're all these guys are leaving and it's just just amazing and you know what jesus is really saying is uh hey look look at your look at yourself He's saying what he, he, he taught it in, in Luke. He says this. He says, uh, hey, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, the six by six in your own eye? How can you say to your brother or your sister, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see that big two by six in your own eye? You're a hypocrite. First, take that two by six out of your eye. Then you'll be able to see more clearly to remove the, the speck from your brother or sister's eye. I mean... That, you know, that Jesus, what Jesus is saying is, listen. Don't use my words as binoculars to point the finger. Look at look what they're doing. Use the use my thoughts as a mirror to to see what's going on in your own your stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what you, that's really what Jesus. In modern vernacular, well, real modern would be even more different. But but you know, is that, you know, own your own stuff. You know, get a hold of your own stuff before you start like, well, you know, because usually the most insecure people are the ones pointing the finger, because if I can get you on, on them, you're not going to be looking at me. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 that's not how this works. You got to get your own act together. You got to admit your own stuff. You know, you gotta, because, you know, and, and really, it's a really pretty funny story, because if you get acted out, like you got this, you know, this big, huge two-by-six hanging out of your eye, and you're saying to somebody, uh, you, got, uh, you got a little something in your eye there, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, you're, you got that big, huge thing there, who, what are you telling me? You know, you, you, you're not in a place to tell me, and usually, uh, you know, usually when you have something in your eye, I, I did, uh, grew up doing construction work. And I worked with my brother. We did a lot of, in the beginning, we did a lot of aluminum siding. And uh, I was always the guy on the ground, and he was taking measurements. And we used a uh, skill saw to cut, to cut the metal siding uh, in big stacks. And every now and then, because I, I, like I said, I had ADHD. I like to live on the edge. So no, no, uh, no, no safety glasses or anything. Every now and then, you'd get one of those, you'd get a metal splinter that would stick in your eye, you know, I'd be like, ah, you know, like, ah, and, like, yeah. and never when I, when that happened, it happened once or twice a summer, you know, and, and but it would never be where Mike is up on, he's up on the, uh, doing the soffits on the second floor, Mike would never look down and say, Joe, you've got something in your eye, you know, let me help you with that, no, I would always go to him, I'd say, Mike, I got this thing, I can't get it out, I can't get it out, you know, he would come down the ladder, and, uh, you know, one of the ways to get that out is he would, he would take a, a match from a cardboard matchbook and using the cardboard end, not the, not the part that you, that you like, the cardboard end, you take that cardboard end and you just touch it to that little metal, thing, that little metal splinter and it pops it right out. It's just amazing. You, next time you get a metal splinter, you know how to, you know, it's free, free of charge. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, I'm just full of great ideas right in this mind here, just popping in. But, but here's the thing. When you have something in your eye, you go to somebody and you say to them, I need your help. I can't get this out on my own. And here's the other thing about that when somebody comes to you and says, I need help, they become a very safe person. Have you ever noticed when somebody shares something that they've been through and they, their vulnerability? They, they share kind of their shame story that they're coming through with shame people surround them with their story. It never fails that before you get out of the building, there's four, five, six people saying they, they want to they they share their story because you're safe. You're not going to say, grow up. You're not going to say anything derogatory. And this, this is what, see, when the church can get healthy enough, when us, when we can get healthy enough to ask each other for help and not force each other to have help or play a blame game or to heap more shame and more brokenness on a person, we become a safe place for thousands and thousands of people who are looking for a place to get their shame taken care of. And Jesus is the answer to that. See, but as long as we use the word of God, the the thoughts of God as a binocular or as as a fence to guard against those people from coming in, we're, we're never going to do what Jesus called us to do, to bring this awesome news to the four corners of the earth, to bring the awesome good news to your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers who are desperate to hear it. But sometimes we read that, we read it to win an argument instead of read it to share a love story, to share a, a, a story that removes the sense of brokenness because when I, for me, growing up, it was uh, God doesn't love me, people don't love me, the very people that represent God, they don't, they don't love me. It's like, where do you turn then? Where do you go? You find people that will accept you, whoever they are, and they, they're probably going to get you in a lot of trouble. And so we need to, we need to receive this. That's because when you're living with shame, you're. You're afraid to even go to God. But this story would let us know, because at, at, at the end of it, even Je- Jesus is saying, the very, it comes down to Jesus is, the, Jesus is the only one that can throw the stone. And at the end of the story, he's like, uh, is anybody condemning you? She's like, well, no, nobody's condemning me. And that's what, that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to let you know that there is no one, because he's the one who can declare it. No one that condemns you. No one that will continue to heap shame on you, and he'll remove that shame. And he then he says, go, you know, go and leave the lifestyle of sin, that you, you're, you're free to leave that lifestyle. You're free to, to start a new life. And, and he, he, it's not in this story, but we know that he'll fill us with his Holy Spirit and empower us to be able to do that. And you see, there's no more critics. What he, what he does is he takes all the critics away. Sometimes we have them right in here, right? I call them ants. I've heard it's, I, I didn't make that up. The automatic negative thoughts, because when you've grown up with a lot of shame, when you've grown up in a system that says you must be perfect, there's there's triggers in there that sometimes they don't go away very easily. That as soon as something isn't perfect, I'm reminding myself. You see, you don't deserve the goodness of God, and there's there's, there's like I got this like. I have like an inner prosecutor. If anybody, I don't know, if you, I'm sure there's something that can relate to it. Like just a prosecutor that is telling me I am guilty and I'm deserving of death. But Jesus silences the inner critics and the outer critics. Because he, all through the Bible, it's like, you know, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He puts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He puts them in the sea of forgetfulness. That's how good God is. He washes us absolutely clean. I'm going to ask the the band to come back and we're going to be singing a few songs in a minute or a song and we're going to be leaving. I really think it's awesome that you've taken, you know, we get 90 minutes, 90 minutes of focused time on God in a corporate setting. And it's really, really cool that you've given him that, You've given him that time to be able to speak to you and to talk to you. And what uh, what I want to just leave you with this is you know who do you who do you relate to in that story? You know, maybe, maybe you know, sometimes, sometimes you know, I get I get nervous because I realize that now I'm one of the religious leaders, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should change my profession because uh, I don't want to be a religious leader, and I can get I can I can it's easy to fall into oh those people you know. Uh, As as a pastor, you can you can just get it, you know. You say, oh no, you know, people who don't show up, and uh, oh, a little snow, you know. For us, this isn't snow. What you just got, you know, it's like, like, it's like we we were on a trip about two years ago. We were down in North Carolina. Literally a dusting. the the whole The whole state shut down. I mean, it was just it was absolutely amazing. Just shut down. We went to a hotel. and We said, where's a restaurant? They said, there's no restaurants open. We were like, why? Well it's snowing. We're like, it's snowing? <laughs> they need to read the dictionary on what snow is. Where was I going with that, Joanne? I don't know. Well, listen, it's but it's easy to get upset with people and draw lines. It's easy to get defensive and say we want to protect. And so you might you you may be with with our children sometimes we're religious leaders. I fell into that sometimes. That uh you know, you, you can't do that. And it's kind of use fear a little bit instead of the love of God. And, you know, I think the Holy Spirit wants to touch your heart today, tonight. If you're one of those people that you find yourself looking at groups of people out there, whether they be Democrats or Republicans, and saying they're the bad ones. And they, you know, they're both probably bad. But the point is that even though they're bad, God wants to advocate. He wants to find a position to be able to show them favor. But He wants us to do that now. And so it's just bringing it to the Holy Spirit and asking Him to help us. For some of us, it may be that woman. You may be the one feeling ostracized, stigmatized, just feeling like there's a stain that won't go away, feeling uh, that there's something broken you know, I I used to really relate to that story, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer story about the misfit island. You know, I used to think, that's me. I'm on misfit island. You know, like, I'm a broken toy. And there's a lot of people that feel that way. Like, they're just broken. There's something wrong with them. And there's no there's no hope. But there is hope. Because Jesus took this ostracized woman and he's continually done it. He can remove your shame and he can give you hope for a future. He will show you favor. Beyond what you know now, because sometimes, you know, we think we're in the, we're, we, we get in, we're in the family, but we don't really think we're one of the favorite sons or daughters. We never think that our picture will be the, the one on the refrigerator or the first one in their wallet or the first one in their photos on their phone. But God has the ability to make you, every person, the favorite. But oftentimes when we're dealing with, with shame and we're feeling ostracized and stigmatized, we don't think that God would ever really love us that much. We still have to stay as a second-class citizen. But you don't have to be that way. Because Jesus loves you. And the Holy Spirit is powerful for you to be able to make you full-fledged son or daughter. With no, there's no strings attached to that. That you have every right, every privilege to come and sit at the, the adult table, so to speak, right next to Jesus. I want to, if that's you, I, 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 want, I want to pray with you today. And then some of us, I think all of us really need to be called, but some of us may feel like we need to be the Jesus to go out there and begin to show favor to people and advocate for people. You know, the, to position ourselves so that we can be there for people who have no one else to be there for and to cover their shame until they can come to Christ and know that he washes their shame away. So, can we pray together? I'm going to ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. It's not because the Bible tells us to do that, it just helps us to uh, concentrate. I won't steal any of your stuff once we're doing it. Uh, but it's just it's a concentration matter. That's why we do it. So, let's pray together. So, Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. We know that your Holy Spirit's been all over this time that we've had together. And I'm asking you, Father, that I've, I've begun a conversation here with the folks here in this room. I'm asking that that you, who are an amazing God that can speak to every person here simultaneously, that even as they leave this building, you'll be talking to them about what it is you want to do in their area of shame or their area of being a religious Pharisee or legalist uh, and those who know that they need to be proactive in advocating for people. So I'm asking that you would continue the conversation. I am I can only do so much of it. But I know that you want to truly transform hearts in this room, transform minds in this room, that you've begun something in this place that is very special. And you're going to bring them to another level on reaching those that no one else wants to reach. I know you can do it, Lord. Father, I pray for those that really feel broken and, and used and abused and manipulated by men and women. I pray for them that you would meet them in a powerful way before they leave this building tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.